This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 35. Echo Charles sitting here with me. And we missed a week of Underground. Apologies. Uh, and then I got reminded, we, we got reminded why we have the Underground. Why we have JockoUnderground.com. The reason is because we realized a while ago that we don't control any of the platforms that we put our podcast out on. On top of that, we don't control the platforms that we interact with people on social media. We don't control those platforms. We don't control YouTube. We don't control the algorithms. We don't control any of the podcast feeds that are out there. So that's not a good situation to be in, where you have no control over your own destiny, where you have to bow to control of a greater entity that you have no control over. So we started this, what you're listening to right now, Jocko Underground, jockounderground.com. We started it, we, we actually started it, we, had a, we did a podcast about the book 1984, yeah. in light of the, of the freedom of speech being in, impinged upon. I actually called you as driving home and said, bro, we need, to, we need to come up with a contingency plan in case something happens, so we, we created this. And, and we created as a contingency. Right. And really, quite frankly, there had been very limited indicators that we would have to utilize the contingency. Well, for us personally, we did see other people get impacted, friends, associates, where all of a sudden they'd get banned, they'd get kicked off, they'd get demonetized, all these problems. Mm. Well, guess what just happened? I ended up getting shadow banned on social media. And I got on on a specific social media platform, I got banned or shadow banned, they called it, which is a weird thing because I didn't really know. And I don't, I, I, I kind of can look back now and people have explained to me and I've looked at some, uh, what is it, analytics and seen that it was actually for a longer period of time than I initially thought. But someone, someone finally, a couple people had mentioned it in comments, bro, you're shadow, shadow banned, you're shadow banned. And I'd think, well, you know, okay, whatever. It's sort of like a, uh, I appreciate people saying I wasn't blowing them off, but I right. didn't. Hey, you, how are you seeing this? Yeah. You're seeing it, so you're writing your shadow band. How? I didn't pay much attention to it. I should have. I should have listened. Um, but then I finally started getting up a couple people sending me videos of them searching for for my name or scrolling through their timeline, and I'm not in it, and yeah. they follow me and or typing my name into the search and it doesn't show up unless you literally put at Jocko Willink, anything else, you put Jocko Willink, I'm not in there. (laughs) That's called a shadow ban. And what's strange about this is, look, you all listen to me. You know what I talk about. I I don't usually talk in any hyper political way I sometimes do that on interviews, but I re- but as far as social, I'll do it on podcasts a little bit. But as far as social media goes, I rarely will post something that's you know some political statement for, for a few reasons. Number one, I think that social media is a bad place to discuss politics, and if I want to discuss something political, I want to have a as much time as I want to discuss it, and so that's why I'll usually do it on a podcast. Mm. 
But I don't, I, I'm not posting anything offensive. I really don't post a lot of stuff that's like, oh, hyper controversial. Mm-hmm. Now, if mm-hmm. I do, it's when I do post things that are, that to express my political beliefs, normally, well, what I do is I do it in a way where it's an indirect message. Yeah. The message is, if you understand what I'm saying, the message is very clear. If you're looking for someone to ban, you might not quite, it might not hit your algorithm. Well, why do I do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons why I do that. Number one, because I want people to listen to what I'm saying. I want them to be able to listen to what I'm saying. And number two, if you're on the other side of my political beliefs and you hear me directly attack what you believe, you probably aren't going to listen to anything else I say. So I'd rather take an indirect approach like I do with most things because the indirect approach proven is a more effective way to communicate and to move forward. So it kind of surprised me when I got shadow banned. So why did I get shadow banned? I'm not 100% sure, but here are my best guesses. And there are two things that stand out that I've done over the past couple months that I think think could have made me a target. And like I said, I'm not exactly sure when I got shadow banned, but it could have been for a pretty long stretch because I don't pay a ton of attention to that kind of thing. I don't I don't pay attention, very close attention to, oh, th- this thing got this many likes or this many views or this many followers. I don't I don't pay a lot of attention to that. So when I went back and did a retro mm-hmm. look at it, I realized, oh, this has been going on for a while. Yeah. This has been going on for a while. So why did it happen? Here's the, my two best guesses. The first was I made that video of if I was president. This is what I would have said. Oh, yeah. Oh, so fuck. that speech that I made was me saying, hey, if I was President Biden and we were in the situation in Afghanistan and we were had people Americans killed, we had billions of dollars of equipment left behind, we had civilians left behind, American citizens left behind, American allies left behind, an unmitigated disaster. If that would have happened, if that would have happened to me and I was in charge, after I'd made all those mistakes, here's what I would say. I would say the following things, and I made that speech, And that speech was viewed a lot. And I did a bunch of media around it because a bunch of media outlets contacted me and wanted me to talk about it. The, the, I did a a Fox News segment on it, which has seven million views. The videos that I put out had a couple million all, all together. So, and then a couple other people what is it called, ripped it and put it on their own. And yeah. so it you know, probably got eight to 10 million views, v- viral. We, and then th- I'm including this with one of the two things, but then Daryl Cooper and I did an unraveling podcast where we went hard and aggressive towards the situation that made that, uh, that unraveling podcast was like the number one podcast in history for a while. Yeah. It went right to the charts, so we'll, so between those two things, I sure I pissed some people off. And when you piss these people off, they can take action. The action that they can take is suppressing your voice. So 
What do you think? What's your assessment on that one? Yeah, that's 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 kind of scary when you put it like that. Meanwhile, literally, literally, that's what it is. And the kind of, for lack of a better term, scary part of it is I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I was like, hey, Jocko, that was that was a heavy speech, and and then you guys. Oh yeah, you were on, super pumped on the speech too because uh, you sent me a text that I'm ready to join the SEAL teams right now, and I'm a 43 year old man. I was like, cool. <laughs> yes, sir. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> And then you guys, you and Daryl did that podcast, and I remember Daryl saying, "Hey, like, there, I've been getting a lot of things. Can you can you see, tell me the numbers?" I, was, I remember seeing the numbers, being like, "Damn, mm-hmm. like, okay, like, dang, you guys kind of must have went hard." And you know, I listened yeah. to a little bit of it, and it was gone. Oh, yeah. I was going moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, forgot about it. I, I, I have a lot of military SEAL friends of mine were like sending me text, dude, God, yeah, hell yeah. And yeah. then special operations guys, hell yeah. And then military, yeah. everyone was fired up about that. Because we said what needed to be said, and the the Biden the the if I was president speech, people were definitely fired up about that stuff. And so when you make a mark like that against, think about it. Think about th- like think about that for a second. We know the world knows America. American po- politicians understand the power of social media, they understand what it means when something goes viral, they Mm -hmm. understand those things. Mm -hmm. And when you have the most, you know, when you have the power, the seat of power, and you've offended them, what do you think they're gonna do? Mm -hmm. And they also realize that you can gain momentum. They're like thinking, holy shit. Uh, You know, I bet you some of those people on the other side watched that speech and went, God damn it, like this, this hurts. And they hear that and they go, you know what, we need to do what we can to, to suppress this individual's voice. Yeah. And so I think that very well may have been the thing that got me shadow banned. That's good. By the way, I'm on shadow banned now. By the way, we have troopers in the game inside these social media organizations that believe in freedom, that now that they're on it, I don't think it's gonna happen again. I, well, oh, no, let me not say that. Okay. We will. We we should know quicker if it happens again. We should see. I should find out quicker because we have people that will report to us mm. if this happens again. Yeah, that's that's crazy too. When you think about really the content of what you said, obviously I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole thing mm-hmm. or whatever. It wasn't like. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you were kind of taking a position or whatever, but you, that wasn't really what it was about. You were just essentially saying, hey, this is what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Straight up. It's a it's a straight up hypothetical, literally. Yeah. And that and then, being said. Yeah. And so it does. I so made the administration look like that, idiots. That's what I'm saying. It, at the end of the day, that's what it was. It wasn't something that's going to hurt like someone or cause like a riot or, you know, there's a bunch of reasons that I mean, legitimate where you're kind of like, hey, I understand why you'd want to kind of at least like slow that guy down because mm-hmm. even though he's freedom of speech, sure, like it could get kind of dangerous if it kind of goes beyond a certain point. And, and then think about this. Think about this. They go, oh, who's this guy? And then they start pulling the thread yeah. and they go, wait a second. This guy. Motherfucker's listening to him. People are listening to him. Yeah. Oh, he's written a bunch of books that are very, very popular. Oh, he has this profile over here. Oh, but what can we, what can we, um, what can we burn him on? Yeah. What, what, how can we call this guy out for being, you know, a, a, a whatever conspiracy guy? How can we do that? And then they're looking at my thing going, oh, well, it's not going to work. What are we going to make stick to this guy? 
Uh, gosh, he's got whatever freaking twenty years of mili- honorable military service. He's got businesses. He's got companies. He's got money. He's got like he well, he's gonna be a hard target. Yeah. What are we gonna do? We know we got to do suppress him. Yeah. Get him suppress him. That's what we're gonna do. And that's what they did. And and they did it for a couple months. But yeah, it's but because when I went back and retro, I like looked at my uh, followers. There, you know, I would normally get followers, you know, every day. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, a, yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there, oh, there was no followers this day. Oh, there was no followers that day. Oh, there was no followers that day. And again, mm-hmm. it's not something I was looking at, but when I went and looked at it, oh, they've put me on lockdown. So it's disturbing. Um, that was number one. So that that may have been it. Yeah. Those two things, I guess it's two things, but the, the combination of those two things, one of them probably caught their attention. The other one said that we, we need to suppress this guy. Yeah. We need to get him under control. Here's the other one, and I don't know if this one might even be scarier. Um, did another unraveling episode, and this unraveling episode that we did, me, Daryl Cooper, we had a guy on there named Brian Suits, who's a, he's, a, he's a veteran. He was in Iraq, he was in Bosnia, um, and he's, he has his own podcast and he's a kind of conservative guy but you know whatever okay cool um but i but so we did a podcast about basically i i opened up this podcast and what i opened up this podcast talking about was i was explaining i was talking about the difference between strategic thinking and tactical thinking which you've heard me talk about in all kinds of podcasts and i talk about all the time from a leadership perspective and explaining how strategic is long-term thinking and tactical is short-term thinking. And when you think strategic, that's what you need to do long-term to win. And then I explained that China is thinking strategic right now and America is not. China is thinking about fighting a war with us in 20 years. That's what they're thinking about. How they're preparing for a war in 20 years America is thinking about the next election cycle. America is thinking about how they're going to get, you know, this person elected or that person elected, how they're going to run this. They're thinking they're thinking 6 months, maybe a year at most in the future. And I made that point. And then we we talked about these we actually spent a bit of time talking about these two movies. Two movies that you have not seen, Echo Charles. Uh, one of them is called Wolf Warrior, and the other one's called Wolf Warrior Two. And these films, even though you've not seen them, they are some of the most popular films in history. In fact, Wolf Warrior Two was the first film to globally earn thirty million dollars a day for twelve straight days of all movies ever. So this is one of the most popular movies ever made, and it's a Chinese propaganda film against America. And you can go on YouTube, and you can Google, and you can watch scenes from it. They have, and it, uh, I guess it's no surprise, it's the elite Chinese wolf warrior type commandos ultimately fighting against U.S. Navy SEALs and winning and defeating them honorably, even though the Navy SEALs cheat and the Navy SEALs are, are bad people and immoral, but the, the high and mighty Chinese warriors, the wolf warriors are able to achieve victory despite these, these lying, cheating American Navy SEALs. So 
So that was the podcast, talking about how China is making moves right now, strategic moves. They're looking to be able to defeat us in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. They're building a capacity to do that. They're brainwashing their population to do that. And we're sitting over here worried about who's going to get elected in freaking November. And what idiot governmental official we're going to put in to be president. Which one of these nincompoops, which one of these degenerates we're going to put into be our leader of our country. Out of which, out of a field of idiots, which idiot is going to win the popularity contest and become the ruler of the free world. And we're worried about that. And they're thinking, how are they going to defeat these idiots that are over there freaking talking about Twitter? So, it also could have been, if it wasn't the Afghanistan podcast along with the presidential speech, scary enough, it might have been, hey, who's this guy with the, because there's China, Chinese influence in these companies, in these businesses, who's this guy that's, that's starting to call out what's happening and how do we shut this guy down? How do we suppress him? And I don't know which one of those is scarier. And I know that might sound a little bit crazy, but either one of those might, either one of those sounds, here's what's, here's what's really scary. Each one of those hypotheses sounds crazy and sounds uh, conspiratorial. It happened. That's what happened. I got shadow banned. Why did I get shadow banned? Those are the only, I haven't, I don't put, there's no other reason. There's no other reason. So, I don't know what the specific reason was, but that's what happened. They should not have that power. And with that, thank you for supporting the Jocko Underground, because there may come a time where this is the only thing we have left. <sighs> kind of crazy, right? Very crazy, yeah. It, man, it's it's crazy. You know how, like, you ever watch movies, you know, you bring this up sometimes, you watch movies and then, like, you know, there's some reveal at mm-hmm. the end, right? Some plot twist, whatever. And then you kind of think back or yeah. you watch it again yeah. or whatever and you're like, oh, oh yeah, huh, oh, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. And then it's kind of, that's kind of like how I'm thinking of it. Because when I I think you said it or I think you said it that you Mm. might be shadow banned or whatever. That was like, and I was like, oh yeah, cool. Shadow banned. And I was doing something else. So I just literally like it went out of my mind. And then um, I posted that video of me and Travis Mills for Mm. the discipline, the discipline go video with the drone and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, like cool because i know that you would p- probably put po- i'm hoping that you would post it just because we th- we all thought it was a great video let's face it that was a great video yep. so uh so whatever you post it and usually i like to go to your thing to see what the people say because there's a lot a lot more people mm-hmm. looking at it and, and saying stuff on it so i go to yours and i'm like bro this is not getting any traction on this damn thing like and mine it's an, has and more it's a freaking hilarious video yeah it's awesome. like a, yeah and so it's like the views, no views, like very little, less views than the one on mine. And I have way less followers than you. How many followers do you have? Uh, 150 something. Yeah. And I have in? like over 2, two million. million. Yeah, exactly. So right. just that right there I'm should big. show yeah. you that there's a, there should be what, 
10x. Just mathematically yeah. speaking. And you kind of, and then so I was like, I was confused. And then I sort of remembered you saying the shadow bed thing. And I'm like, wait, is he? I think he is. So I went back on like some other video, like a few weeks ago, something mm-hmm. that he posted or whatever. And I'm like, okay. And then I look at another video just to see, get get a feel of what kind of numbers your videos generally yeah. kind of put up. And then, yeah, I look at it. I'm like, oh man, this mother. Yeah, I think you're sh- straight up shadow band. Straight up shadow band. Damn, and it happened right on on my video. Yeah, brutal. Just to make things worse. Is yep. what I'm saying. And you you have to actually have to go back a while to get to videos that have kind of the traditional numbers, right. which I would get, which is you know five hundred thousand, four hundred thousand views. That's what we're hoping for with that video. Yeah, but that's not what you're going to get when you're shadow banned. No, sir. It's not. And even even though right now I think even though right even right now there's not things are getting the traction it it appears that i'm not shadow banned because when you t- search for my name but i'm i bet you i am out of the algorithm oh like like there's levels of, sh- of letters, shadow letters, bandedness. levels of shadow banned and they were oh yeah he caught that cuz i posted a video of people searching for me yeah yeah and and so they they undid that mode but <laughs> there's still i guarantee it's not in the algorithm yeah so Damn. there you go. That's that's brutal. Huh? It, and it 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 starts to hurt. Like you know, because look, if you're out of the game and you're just like, well, you choose to be on Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm. what? I hear it on Twitter all the time. I don't really hear it that much on Instagram, but, but um, you know, it's it's a common thing. It's like, oh, well, Twitter's you choose to use that social media platform or whatever. But when a social media platform, whatever, gets big enough, this is what it seems like anyway, where if it gets big enough, big enough it starts to become kind of part of our world. Virtual, it is, yes, mm-hmm. but it becomes part of our where And to the point where companies who provide jobs and all this stuff um, depend on that as like a little ecosystem to exist for their company to, mm-hmm. to function, you know? And I think, you know, when it gets that, that big, it's kind of like, it feels like it crosses over into a different like yeah. realm, you know. It's a form of communication. Yeah. And they control it. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. And and here's the thing. Well, oh, just leave them then. Okay. Let's say I go, okay, you know what? They they're shadow banning me, then screw them. I'm not going to be on them. Okay. What about a kid that's 15 years old, that's in a rough situation wherever he is and what he could see and what he could learn and what he could find by listening to the podcast, by getting a copy of Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. I get, I get countless, countless messages, emails, handwritten letters from people all over the world saying thank you. I was able to get off drugs, get promoted, save my marriage, get on the path. Countless, countless Thousands and thousands of those types of messages I've received. So for me to say, oh, you know what? I'm going off social media. Okay. Mm. Now there are people around the world that we are not reaching. And that is wrong. That's wrong. So that's why I have to try and figure out how to maneuver so that the word can get out because if we don't get the word out, there's people that are going to suffer because of it. And, and, and that might sound crazy, but you get enough of those messages from people, 
and you realize how much it's helped people mm. and now you're just gonna walk away that's that's like walking that's like that's like you're a firefighter and there's a house on fire and you and you just turn and walk away yeah yeah firefighters today, don't do my that. last day yeah sorry. yeah firefighters don't do that yeah you know you're you're a police officer and there's a shooting happening and you go you know what I'm, I'm just gonna sit here and let it happen mm-hmm. you don't do that and so that's how I feel right now oh there's people out there in the world that I know we provide help to we can show them the path we can give them guidance and and we're shut down. We're supposed to just walk away. That's it's not the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. That big picture is kind of odd to see, huh? When like you'd be doing so much good, you know, like so much good. And you know, here's a weird thing. And this is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but so in the beginning, right, when we post like YouTube videos, mm-hmm. I'd say within the first year and a half of this whole podcast thing. Mm-hmm. We'd post like YouTube videos and make enhanced excerpts of music and all this stuff. So YouTube is notorious for the comment section mm-hmm. being inherently toxic, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of part of the fun, let's face it. So I always get nervous, and I told you this, where I used to, I have had, had, I put it this way, I have an inactive little YouTube company, t- um, channel, whatever, Flixpoint TV. Mm-hmm. And I put... Um, just f- they're funny videos or whatever, varying in artistic taste, we'll mm-hmm. say. And, uh, you know, they're lame. One, in, one, for example, is the bikini girls doing a lightsaber fight, mm-hmm. right? It's real Jerry Springer-ish, right? Pretty lame. So, so I go in the comments on there, and it's like the comments are just terrible, which, again, is part of the fun. One of them, for example, probably the worst comment I ever had said, the, the, whoever made this video should die. Straight <laughs> up. So I'm like, again, part of the fun, and I get it, but when it's not you, and I was ready for it, and, you know, it's not like I was pouring my heart out, and they yeah. just did, you know. So I knew that we are I figured, hey, we are going to get some terrible comments, you know, with just with our stuff, just the nature of it. But, man, most of the comments were, like, cool. We're much, yeah, tri- pretty much sure. all. In fact, when you see, like, a negative comment, you're like, dang, you're kind of surprised. Yeah. That's how, like disproportionately positive all the YouTube comments, by yeah, the way. Which is the cesspool and were, Yes, yeah. exactly right. So that's like, that was a huge indicator that like, man, it's, this is all good stuff. This is all good, helpful stuff. Yeah. And then for someone with very specific interests or whatever to essentially have that in front of them and then see one thing or two things, like not on Instagram, by the way. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, one of them was on Instagram. Be like, oh, you know what? That's worth us suppressing it crazy thing it's weird huh how that big picture looks it's wrong well speaking of helping people um we got some q a let's jump into some q a what do we got i'm a sergeant for a large california law enforcement team 14 years on the job and the common saying is eight and hit the gate everyone from the warden to the correctional officers wants to do the least amount possible i've read and used all of jocko's books I keep leadership strategy and tactics with me at work, and I often reference it. The culture at work is do the least possible, but I'm one super, I am one supervisor. How do I effectively change the culture when I'm one person? Thank you for all the podcasts. Okay, so obviously we're going to set the example. We're going to do a good job. We're going to build relationships with people. We have to build relationships with people if we want to have influence over them. That that's what we have to do. We once we have built relationships with people, then we start to explain why we should do 
a little bit more, why we should do extra, why we should perform our duties at a higher level. And and so you need to figure out what that why is. If it's unsafe, you got people like, oh, you know what? I'm not gonna do any extra training because I don't care because it doesn't matter. So I'm not gonna do any extra training. Well, what happens when a situation unfolds? Now we're not ready for it. Now we can end up getting killed. So that's wrong. We should be working together. We should be training. We should be paying more attention. So why? Because it's gonna help us stay alive. Because it's gonna help us do our jobs. It's gonna help us more efficient. Be more efficient. It's gonna make our job actually easier if we do a better job. So if you can explain why it's helpful, then people start to say, oh yeah, you know what, you're right. So take I would take that approach of building relationships, setting a good example, building relationships. Don't try and impose it on them, hey, you need to, you know, you need to change your attitude. That's gonna that's not gonna be good. You need to form a relationship with them. You don't form a relationship by attacking them. It's also another thing, as you form a relationship, again, I don't want you to go and impose any of these ideas on people. What you start talking about how doing bad at doing bad for work is also bad for life. Meaning, hey, you know, we got a chance to, uh, you know, work out in the morning. That's not just good for work, it's good for life. It's gonna make you healthier, right? So those kind of things where you can make those connections. By the way, if we do a better job and we, you know, what whatever constitutes doing a better job in this situation as, as correctional officers, if we have less stress at work, it's gonna make our life easier. How do we have less stress? Well, we do be a little bit more prepared. We, we do a good turnover. You know, you put the extra effort in, so when your shift is over, the next people that show up, you give them a good turnover, it lowers the stress for them, they're more aware of what's happening, they're safer, so you gotta explain these things. And if you explain those things, and you start with the people that are around you, that's gonna move you in the right direction. Again, how do we build relationships? You gotta listen to what people have to say, you gotta respect, you gotta treat them with respect, you gotta allow them to influence you so that you can have influence over them, you could, you, if you listen to them, they'll listen to you. If you treat them with respect, they'll treat you with respect. You give them trust, they'll give trust back to you. That's how you're gonna build these relationships. And, and then you, there is a chance, a decent chance, that you can't have, you don't have much influence and you end up not having much influence over this big bureaucratic institution of guards, of how many guards are there and how long they've been there and it's eight and hit the gate and that's kind of what we do. There's a chance that you have very little, maybe even no influence over that culture. It won't be zero because your team, you'll make some connections, you'll start to get some people on board. You, you will have some, but you can't get discouraged if you don't have, if you don't ignite a change in culture in a big bureaucratic organization filled with people that are getting a paycheck regardless of how well they perform their job. There was things in the SEAL teams that I could not change. That I tried to change, but I couldn't. I couldn't move the freaking ball down the field on some of the things. And sure, is that a little bit discouraging? Sure, but guess what? There were some things that I was able to gain three yards, five yards, six yards, maybe got a touchdown, maybe got a field goal here and there. I might not achieve, I didn't win the Super Bowl, but 
if you make the effort and you move in the right direction and you keep moving in the right direction, that's the right thing to do. And that doing the right thing is gonna provide you with gratification regardless, even if you help two or three new guys have a better career, good for you. Maybe you get one of the older guys back in the game and back being professional, good for you. Because your alternative is to sit there, do nothing, and just, you know, hit the gate at eight. So that's what I would do. Hey, and, and another thing is, if you're in a bureaucratic system where everything's a total disaster and you hate it and you can't have any in, impact even though you've tried, it may be time to come up with an exit strategy. And maybe there's something else you need to do with your life. And maybe this, is, maybe this isn't for you. And you need to go some, somewhere where your time, your effort, your, your um, leadership will be more greatly appreciated. That is a possibility. By the way, the best way to Move in that direction, so work hard, do a great job, try and be a positive influence. Mm. Don't get discouraged, bro. Remember that you, you'd always, you didn't always tell, say the story, but you tell the story about how, like uh, the Rambo, when they call you Rambo or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that, when you're going too hard, yep. right? Kind of a thing. It, it, it feels like that feels, I remember this guy used to work with us where he'd, I, I don't know if I was a, hard worker mm-hmm. or not but this guy was like it uh, it it was obvious that he was trying to put forward how hard of a worker he was mm-hmm. you know that there was that there's that little additional effort on his part yeah. not with his job yeah. but with showing us that he's doing his mm-hmm. job hardcore and it kind of seemed out of step with everybody on purpose like there's like a third interest there kind of a thing it feels like that's an important thing to keep in mind. Watch out. Don't want to look like a kiss ass for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Next question. Jocko, I have currently been tasked to lead a new animatronics department within my company. I'm tasked with getting people that have had high working knowledge of the process, a high yet humble education, and an overall team eccentric member. The question is, when interviewing candidates, is there a way to legitimately vet a candidate that wants the job or they just want a paycheck? Thanks for all that you do. Um, this, is a, this is a common question and it's one this, that no one, <laughs> no one has figured this out. Mm. No one has figured out what question to ask to, to slice through the acting the psychological layers, the agendas. No mm-hmm. one has figured out the questions, even with hooking up a lie detector <laughs> to figure out whether someone is actually going to be fit for the job. So here's a couple things that we do. Um, we always advise clients to, if they can, hire people on a short-term basis to see how they actually do in the jobs, to see how they actually handle pressure, to see how they actually interact with other people. That means hiring them as a contractor or hiring them as a temp. Either one of those options are good. If you can do that, do that to figure out what they're like. That might be hard to do. So what, so what can you do with your interview? Put them in different scenarios during your interview. Don't make it questions. Ask them to talk through things. Make it conversational. You wanna you wanna open that person up. You wanna you wanna get them you wanna get their guard down. So you wanna have a conversation with them about, oh, what's your past been like? Oh, what's and you weave some questions in there 
to figure out, to start to try and figure out what kind of characteristics they have, if they're, if they're humble, if they're, what, what they're, what is driving them. Set, so, so make it conversational, put them in scenarios in your conversation. Oh, you ever been in a situation like this? You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, have you ever, you know, one time I, one time I really let my team down. Have you ever, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you and your team? So you're, you're asking them questions, but you're doing it in a conversational way. Another good thing to do is set some good expectations during the interview. Let them know. You know what? When I went to college, I noticed that some of the professors would do this. The first like day of class or two days of class, they'd hit you with these big assignments and they'd give you a test. So they hit you with an assignment, then day day two, they give you a test and it's super hard and no one prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And you know what that their, their way of doing? Thinning out the class. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to thin out that class, make a bunch of people say, oh, this, this professor's a hard ass. Mm-hmm. So to say in here, hey listen, here's some expectations that we have at this company. You might as well do that early on. Mm-hmm. You might as well in this case, be direct about what you're looking for. So if it's not a match, they know it. But there's no ma- magic method. You know, this is a, a, a question when this, when I get asked this question, which I do all the time, I'll turn around in a group of 500 people and say, who here has hired a stellar candidate that did a great interview and they turned out to be a complete dud. And everyone raises their hand. And then I say, who here is taking a chance on someone that wasn't great in the interview and they turned out to be a rock star? And everyone raises their hand. Yeah. So there's no magic method. The best I could say, like I said, get them to talk, put them in scenarios, make it conversational, ask questions in the conversation that will provide you with some insight as to what people they are, and then set some hard expectations so they know what they're getting into and they know what they should not get into if it's not their scene. Dude, that makes sense. I think I, uh, I was on the other side of this, by the way, mm-hmm. where, so I got a job because I got the hookup through a friend, mm-hmm. right? That was a big influence at a gym one time, long mm-hmm. time ago. Oh, in Hawaii. And it was my friend. It was actually my friend's friend. I didn't know this girl at all. Mm-hmm. Like, never met her, nothing. But she was friends with my best friend, Squatty Lewis, by the way. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. Scotty Lewis. Shout out, Kona Police Department. Anyway, so he, his friend got me a job at a gym, even though I didn't meet his friend before, right? It was kind of friendly. So I get the job, right? And the lady who hired me was like, oh, that's cool. You're friends with this person and all this stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, all good. She's, so it's kind of like one of those deals. Oh, yeah, if you're friends with her, you must be solid. You know, you obviously know about fitness, whatever. I'm like, cool. At work, and I wasn't that good of a worker. I know. And then um, so one day, her, the lady who worked there, she was real good at, like, conversation and getting to know everybody, you know, and she made me feel freaking comfortable, and I let it slip straight up just because I felt comfortable with her. I was like, yeah, I really didn't even know that girl. I never met her or nothing like that. Meanwhile, like, she knows her. She's kind of like wait a second, I kind of hired you kind of with that in mind. She didn't say any of that, but that was kind of the look mm-hmm. and kind of the feel after the whole conversation. Yeah. Told on myself, I was fired shortly after that yeah. for other things unrelated, yeah. but I'm sure she had no problem firing me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's it's true, man. It's, if you just make it conversational. In interrogation, it's called soft sell. Yeah. So I go, hey, Echo, what's going on, Bro, man? Yeah. they'll give it right up, huh? I've been soft sell before. So you go through soft sell in, in SEER training? survival yeah. evasion resistance escape yeah, yeah. and then i've been soft sold my damn self by like ncis <laughs> during investigations and i'm like nah, come on man yeah. you're gonna have to do better than that yeah. homie oh yeah soft selling me when i bought my last car like 
I kind of, I, essentially, I'm looking at this format, and I did that to the sales guy. Mm-hmm. He was a jujitsu guy. Mm, and I was like, oh, weren't you? And broed out with him, and he freaking gave up all the secret car sales. And he was like, hey, they don't really just, and I forget all the things. Like, oh, they they don't care about the price. There's something about the price, and it's more about the financing. And he gave it right up, yeah. like under the freaking, like, under his breath kind. I was like, bro. Possibly. <laughs> or that or was Or you his. got double played. <laughs> Well, I got I got Sarah Charles on my side, so yeah. I don't know. She's oh, yeah. very she good stood at for no f- fighting she the broke double no play. Bullshit. No, sir. Yeah, it's true. Right. It makes sense. All right. <sighs> Next question. question. Jocko. I'm a young man working as a concrete foundation laborer for over a month now. The foreman directing the operation still has much to teach me. I tend to respond with got it or roger that and okay, as well as, as asking questions to show my engagement and, and clarify. What are some of your go-to ways to take orders when they're given to you? Again, this is so badass. You know, when we talk about helping people and just to have this individual right here, concrete foundation laborer, man, I poured some concrete in my dick. Freaking awesome. And here's this individual wanting to do an awesome job. The good news is, it sounds like you're nailing it, actually. You're doing what I did my whole career. Got it. Roger that. Yep. Oh, yep, got it. Okay, ready to execute. Whatever. I think. I think got it and Roger that are as good as it gets. Um, that's exactly what I would tell my new guys to do. I'll tell my new guys. The cadre tells you to do something. Roger that. Mm. That's the Mikey Monsora story. Mikey Monsora. I told all my new guys when the cadre tells you to do something, you say Roger that. Mm. That's all. That's your only response. Roger that. Mm. And after a few days of going through close quarters combat training. The master chief, who's a friend of mine, came up and's like, "Hey, the hell's up with this Monsor guy?" And I go, "What do you mean? Because Monsor was good." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Every time I, every time I tell him to do something, he just looks at me and says, Roger that.'" I'm like, "Yeah, hey, hey, bro, that's exactly what I told him to do." He's mm-hmm. like, "That's awesome." Mm-hmm. Um, so that's outstanding. The fast, the fact that you're asking pertinent questions, you know, you're not being a kiss ass. Hey, boss, can you explain to me? This is amazing. Like, you're not doing that, but you're asking real questions. That's awesome. So I think you're on the perfect path. Uh, here, a matter of fact, I think you're on such a good path that I want to give you a little next step. The next step is you're going to start thinking, well, how do I, you know, I'm a concrete foundation laborer right now. How do I move up out of the labor into maybe a little bit more skill? The way you do that is you, you cover your job, you kick ass on that, and then you start looking up and saying, is there a little skill set that I see that's happening that I can start to, hey, can I learn how to do that? Mm. Hey, can I learn how to, can you show me how to work that trial? Hey, can you show me how to work that? Can you, when you pour, can you, can I run that piece of equipment? You start just starting to look for a little bit more. When you look up and you start taking a little bit of that next level skill set, that's when you see other responsibilities that they're going to put you on. And that'll be awesome, man. You're on a great path. Great path. Stay on it. Boom. Next question. Jocko, Echo. I grew up in a large family with eight children in which I am the oldest. I'm 39 and my youngest brother is 24 and has spent most of his years as a drug addict and petty criminal, as well as a nuisance to his community. He's been given multiple opportunities by family members as well as the province. It's probably Canada. He has left or flat out turned down the chance to go to rehab numerous times and has has a definite history of mental illness. I try to see him on occasion but I have my own family and full-time job, so there, so the three-hour travel time matched 
with the unpredictability of a situation make it a rarity that we see each other. I feel we have given him as much as we can without enabling him and have resigned myself to the fact he will eventually overdose and die. I'm a volunteer firefighter, so I know there's a high likelihood. I don't know what else I can do at this point. Any suggestions or advice? Thanks. <clears throat> the n- Not to get spiritual here or religious, mm-hmm. but when I think of drug addiction, I think of Satan. Yeah. I think of the devil. Because even the mythological Satan or the religious Satan, if you believe in the devil or if you have watched a movie about the existence of Satan, Satan is this pure evil beast that can overwhelm and destroy people, lives, communities, the world. And the reason I think of that when I think of addiction is because the power that Satan has over people in, let's say, the Bible or in, let's say, a freaking uh, horror movie is that he is a shapeshifter. He's a liar. He's rationalizer. He can maneuver. He is so powerful that people can't stop him. It's very rare that people can stop him. And so when you're when you deal with drug addicts, they are fi- they are they are fighting against the devil. They have almost no power. They lie. They they cheat. They steal. They are fighting a force that to them is as powerful as Satan. So that it seems like you question and ask her in this scenario recognize that. That's what you're up against. Mm. So I think you're actually doing the right thing. You you recognize that he's in a fight with the devil. By the way, there's very little that you can do, as you know. Um, here's, and, and, and in fact, it's what we need to watch out for is that we're not enabling him. And you said that you're doing as much as you can without enabling him. Basically, when you're when you got someone that's a drug addict, addict, anything that you do to help them is enabling them because they take whatever you give them and utilize it to get drugs and go further down that path. So, it sounds like you're not enabling him. Um, so I would stay on the path that you're on. the The addition that I would make is this: don't just resign from from connecting with him check in with him in a way that displays that you that you know he's in a battle that you know that the person that you care about is there but incapable of fending off lucifer and I think you write letters, paper letters, and, and send them. I think that you, because I think reading something is impactful, and you write, you know, you write a letter and say, hey, I'm just checking in. I miss you. I know you're in a hard fight. 
I wish there was more I could do to help you. I feel helpless. Those kind of things. So you tell them the truth about what you're feeling. I think also, you know, in this modern day and age, um, even a drug addict usually has a phone. You can leave messages. You can leave recordings. I would actually write down what I'm going to say and, and don't make them long, but, you know, a 40-second message that explains, hey, here's what I'm doing in my life right now. You know, what you got kids, right? You know, you, it, it'd be amazing for my kids to meet their uncle and realize that you were able to fight through this. And so those kind of things where you kind of explain that there's a way out, that you're there, but that it starts with him and that if he ever gets on the correct path, you'll be there for him and that you will never help him move down this self-destructive path. Um, and I think that's the best you can do. This is a this is a battle against evil, and evil is a powerful force. And as you mentioned, you know that there is a high likelihood of how this is going to end, which will then put you for your next question: How do you move forward? And I'm going to answer that now. I think the best way to move forward in a situation like this is you try and figure out what you can do to help others avoid this, this, this fate, and whether that's putting together some you know some some charity to help out whether you're volunteering at a charity whether you're recording things and talking about what you've been through or what your brother went through and explaining that story so other people can see it going to talk to to high school kids or school kids just once you, once if this doesn't go the way that we want it to go and he loses this war the i think the best way to overcome that and move forward is to try and help other people avoid this evil scenario so thanks for your service in the fire department i'm uh, freaking damn sorry to hear this and this makes me you know hate uh drugs so yes, sir we got one more next one next question hey guys jocko you often talk about disassociation and stepping back when you're afraid or angry I've heard you mention it in the podcast and also in the Warrior Kid books, which I'm reading to my six-year-old daughter, by the way. You used take a breath as one of the ways to, as one way to step back, but I have two questions. One, what are some other ways used to step back and disassociate? And two, disassociating seems to run counter to the trend of staying present and being in the moment. Disassociating seems like not facing reality and not facing what's actually happening in the moment. But of course, we have to face reality, especially in hard situations where, diso- where dissociating seems to be warranted. Can you talk more about that? Thanks. Um, yeah, good, good question. Uh, detach, detaching, which is the word I use. I don't use disassociation. Detach is the word I use. That does not mean leave. That does not mean run away, and that doesn't mean avoid. Doesn't mean any of those things at all. What it means is what it means is to see more, to understand what that thing, that what words are you using? That reality, you wanna understand that reality with more clarity. You wanna understand what's actually happening with more vision. So, so detaching is not a way to see less, it's a way to see more. It's not a way to avoid, it's a way to engage. So don't think of it as any of those things. 
Think of it as a way to see. Think of it as a way to understand. As far like the idea of it being the opposite of being more present or more in the moment, actually opposite. When you're when you're overwhelmed with some situation and it's right in front of you, you're not present. You're overwhelmed. You're not even thinking about what's happening. You don't understand what's happening. You're not in the moment. You're overwhelmed by the moment. The moment is happening and you're not there. Someone comes and yells and screams at you and you they walk out and you don't even know what happened. You weren't in the moment. You were you did a horrible job. You got caught up in the moment. So to detach is to take a step back and actually be more present, to hear more, to see more, to slow that moment down and absorb that moment even more. So that's what I'm talking about. So that that should clarify, I guess that was part of the question. The other part of the question is a method, the method to actually use. Yes, in the Warrior Kid books, talk about taking a breath. Here's a couple other, these are really, these are like fundamental methodologies. Take a step back, a literal step back from the situation. Take a literal step back from the situation. Whether it's a confrontation that you're getting in with your wife about something, whether it's someone at work that's starting to lose their mind, whether there's a meeting that's going on and it's starting to get heated, whether it's a problem that you're looking at, you're trying to fix your electrical sub panel and you don't understand it. All those situations, literally take a step back. Step one, take a step back. Step two, this is a very strange one. Take a step back, lift your head a little bit. Lift your head a little bit. It elevates your, your, your vision a little bit and it changes your vision. It changes your, your, your perspective a little bit. And put your hands down and kind of open up to the problem. This is the opposite of a fight. Stance. What do you do if you get in a fight? Echo Charles, what do you do with your chin and you get in a fight? Drop your chin. Drop your chin. What do you do with your hands? Put them up. So this is the opposite of that. Now look, if you're getting in a confrontation, obviously that's not what I'm talking about. I mean like a physical altercation is coming. Right. No. Yeah. You very, very discreetly put your hands up in, an, in a non-aggressive way. You drop your chin down in a non-aggressive way because you're getting ready to fight. Mm-hmm. You still want to stay detached, but this is a way of learning to detach. You, you expose yourself. Take a step back, you lift up your chin, you put your hands down, and then you look around, and yes, you breathe. But you're opening yourself up to absorb more of what is happening. When you get into a fight, your focus of vision narrows. We're trying to do the opposite of that. So I'm giving you the physical instructions on the opposite of getting ready for a fight. You get ready for a fight, your vision narrows. Your breathing tightens. Your muscles tighten. Your hands, your fists clench. All those things are combatives and they're narrowing your vision and they're making you more emotional. Do the opposite of those things, which means step back. Lift up your head, change your perspective, put your hands down. I actually put your palms towards the problem. Then look around, move your head and look around. Take a breath, you're gonna see more. You're gonna detach, you're not gonna run away. You're not, le- you're not avoiding the problem. You're, you're capturing a better overall perspective of the problem, a broader perspective of the problem, a more strategic perspective of the problem, and now you're gonna be able to contend with that problem in a much more conducive 
and powerful way. Detach. With that, thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting the cause. Obviously, the cause might come into play. Appreciate everyone being here. Hey, if you want to support some more or you need some cool stuff, you need some supplements, jockofuel.com. You need American-made products, originusa.com. Don't forget about the jockofstore.com. Bunch of kids, you a bunch of books you can read, including kids' books. Echelonfront.com for consulting. Echoes that, Echo Charles. I'm at Jocko Willink. Thank you for supporting us. We don't know. We don't know. We hope it doesn't go that way. We hope we're out there helping as many people as we can. But if we get shut down with the mass media, well, the underground movement will begin. And we'll be right here, ready to go. Until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.